Welcome to the second episode of Writing Fiction. My name is Angela Wallace-Moore. I'm a novelist and poet, and in this podcast, I'd like to share with you some writing tips about plot development and characterization. My readers often ask me where I get my ideas. How do I manage to create interesting plot twists? I did try suggesting they were the product of a deeply twisted mind, but that seemed to unnerve people, so these days I just shrug and tell them the truth, that I do the bulk of my plot development while out walking or in the shower, and somehow it all seems to well up from the subconscious sooner or later. Sometimes I get stuck, but I've learned to trust the process, and eventually the snags clear themselves and the work continues. Many writers have their plot completed before they write. For my part, I find that it's an organic process, and it varies according to what I'm writing. I'm certainly no J.K. Rowling, who had the entire Harry Potter series designed in her head from the beginning. Here's an example from my own work. My trilogy, The Children of Myth, came about pretty much by accident. I began my first novel with a specific idea, to write a story set in the present day, but based on the Minotaur myth as a metaphor for the exploitation and abuse of women. I knew it would be a psychological drama, with strong elements of romance and eroticism, but the plot trajectory changed significantly as the story unfolded. In many ways, the story wrote itself, And I sometimes felt I was simply along for the ride. And once readers began to ask me whether there'd be a sequel because they wanted to know what happened to the characters after the surprise ending, I resolved to make Children of the Gods the first book in a trilogy. Consequently, book two, Children of the Vines, already contained major plot structures. But even these relaxed their boundaries as the writing progressed allowing me to set the stage for book three, Children of the Lie, which I'm currently writing. The bones of the story are already there, but I have no doubt the details will change as the writing progresses. So don't feel constrained by your original idea. But having said that, there is a danger you need to avoid. It's very easy to go off on a tangent captivated by a great idea which surfaced when you were halfway through your book. This can require a significant rewrite, and that's fine if you feel it makes for a better story. However, if you try to incorporate your grand design into the existing storyline, unless you're very skillful, there's a risk that you can end up with an uneven manuscript which looks as though it had been cobbled together from two separate stories. That happened to me when I was a beginner, and I had to do a complete rewrite of the second part of a book. However, I kept the grand idea, and I was able to use it in another book. So don't just trash things that don't fit. Keep them in an ideas folder, because they just might come in handy later on. Read and reread, over and over until you almost know your work by heart. In this way, you'll start to embody your story. 
It'll be easier to avoid the kind of blunders you sometimes see in badly edited books. Use timelines, especially if the plot ranges over months or years or decades. I do this exhaustively because it's so easy to get things wrong. It's really frustrating to complete a number of chapters or indeed an entire manuscript only to find later on that your plot was calling for an 18-month pregnancy and the heroine wasn't an elephant. Check the seasons. The political and historical circumstances of when and where your story is set. Check the flora and fauna, the architecture, the geography. Don't have roses blooming in the middle of winter if your story is set in Scandinavia. And don't put any lions in the jungle or penguins in the Arctic Circle. Getting the background details correct lends texture to your work. There's no substitute for research because unless you're writing fantasy or sci-fi, your work needs to be believable and relatable. And correct background information makes all the difference when you weave it into the plot. The historical background of the World War II invasion of Crete in Children of the Vines is a case in point. It only features minimally, but its impact on the actions of the characters and its influence on the overall plot is significant. I researched dates, times, conditions, and was then able to take certain liberties which determined not only the direction of Volume 2, but would also feed into Volume 3. Our books are the devices of our own imaginations, and we can use a lot of literary license, but when we include elements from real life, we need to get them right, because as sure as we don't, some critic will pop up over the parapet and say unkind things about us. Well, they might say that anyway, but that's no reason to give them fuel. Your ability to take an everyday plot and make it interesting and believable rests only on your ability as a writer of prose to create depth and insight. This is what marks a good writer, as distinct from just average. The bare outline of the story will undoubtedly be one of the seven original plots. But that doesn't mean you don't have something new to say. For example, Romeo and Juliet has been done in a million different ways, but you can add freshness through the introduction of additional characters and subplots. And you just might find that this will make for a richer narrative, especially if those additions contribute stronger texture to the overall plot line through humour, mirroring or metaphor. Even if you're writing a potboiler, don't forget that readers often like to know why certain things occur. What's the background? You don't need to labour the point, especially if you want to inject an element of surprise later on, but a well-formulated hint can pique interest. And an acerbic insight into the circumstances of the setting or the characters will say more than masses of detail, which is boring to write and to read. If you've ever read any of Terry Pratchett's work, for example, you'll note that he enhanced his work by including the grotesqueries of human nature and amusing asides. For example, 
She was beautiful. But she was beautiful in the way a forest fire was beautiful. Something to be admired from a distance, not up close. In one sentence, he managed to convey so much about the woman in question. This is the reason I've coupled plot and characterization because they're so strongly intertwined. As to whether the plot drives the characters or the characters drive the plot is a moot point and will be determined by your writing style. Agatha Christie's writing, for example, was plot-driven. Her main protagonists are well-drawn. Who can forget the redoubtable Miss Marple or the fastidious Hercule Poirot? But her side characters tend simply to serve the narrative, and for her brand of detective fiction it served her very well. Frequently less is more, and the dialogue can drive the plot while revealing much about the characters. Get to know your characters intimately. I find photos online of people who match my mental image of my characters. I imagine their clothing, the food they like to eat. And I'm reminded of the words of some famous method actor whose name escapes me, but who said that when she was taking on a role, she needed to imagine the contents of the character's wardrobe their underwear drawer, their shoe cupboard. How did they drink their coffee and tea? Which books were on their nightstand? What was the sound of their voice? Was it high, low? Did it have an accent? Imagining details like these fleshes out the individuality of your characters and it's also a lot of fun. This brings us to dialogue. Dialogue is a vital part of characterization and can be one of the hardest things to write. We all have individual speech patterns and vocabularies, and it's very important not to make our characters all sound like ourselves. They need their own voices, and we can help the process by listening to the way other people speak. So often in conversation, we listen and we drill down into the meaning of what others are saying, but we're not truly hearing them. It's not until we start to pay attention that we realize that someone might often begin what they're going to say with a particular phrase, like, I have to say, I don't think, etc., 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 or finish a sentence with, Do you know what I mean? These idiosyncrasies tell us a lot about a person very economically. Are they domineering? Seeking reassurance? Using certain speech patterns for our characters helps to round them, gives them texture and paves the way for plot development. And something you really need to do is read the dialogue aloud. We tend to write very differently from the way we speak in real life. So by reading aloud, we can spot when the dialogue sounds too formal or contrived. Try using a different voice for each character to fit the personality. This will give your work more polish. Of course, your characters come from your life experience, people you've known, 
and above all your own subconscious. But like a good method actor, you need to allow the characters to take over when you're walking in their world. I'm a very visual person, so I view the scenes I'm writing almost as though they were movies. I see where the characters are standing or sitting. I see their body language. You might be different. Perhaps you're more audile, so auditory images rather than visual or motor images will dominate or are unusually distinct. Whatever your process, work to your strengths and work even harder on your weaknesses. Read and reread, research, listen, observe, and you'll reap the rewards. In the next podcast, I'll discuss atmosphere and pacing. Until then, always remember that moderation is everything. As Terry Pratchett so wisely suggested, just erotic, nothing kinky. It's the difference between using a feather and using a chicken.